Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. It grabbed my heart and really, really touched me being in Africa was the fact that, you know, here I'm with Pastor Jones, who started this fellowship over 40, about 45 years ago. And the moment we stepped out of the airplane, and I'm not bragging on him, I'm not lifting him up as this great uh, superhero in the kingdom of God, although he is in my eyes and in a lot of our eyes, amen. But one of the things that really grasped me, and I was able to see the, the way that, that people lived in, a foreign, in that foreign country, I've been all over the world, but, but my first time there. But we got off of the plane, and you know, I'm, I'm with Pastor Jones, who is the founder of our fellowship, and we're dragging bags and climbing out of airplanes, running down the stairs and climbing up other stairs. And I think we had, we, we counted 14 flights that we took up and down, up and down. We took over 10 COVID shots, uh, not shots, 10 COVID uh, tests on the way, going back and forth everywhere we've been. It just seems like we've had our mouth open and our nostrils pierced for, for three weeks straight, amen? And we were beat up. We're, we, we're tired, you're on this long 18 19 hour flight all the way to Africa and we get out of the airplane we 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 come out of the plane out in the in the tarmac and we get on a bus we come in and the very first thing you go through is a is a not a it's a testing facility you have to go through these tents and they make sure that you're not sick and they they want to see your reports all your covid tests and all the the the, the examines that they want to see anyways we're there with papers all over the place and just handing these things out i feel like i got a deck of cards in my hand just giving everything away and some man jumps up out of the blue and he jumps up out of his seat he's one of the officials in this room and he jumps up out of his seat and he says, I remember you. And he points to Pastor Jones and, you know, Pastor's hair's all messed up and, and, you know, his shirt's untucked. And I mean, we're working, we're sweating like dogs getting through here. And Pastor Jones looks up at this man and he's like, well, praise the Lord. And the guy says, you don't understand. He says, you prayed for my father and God healed my father. And he says, but what you don't understand is how I can remember you like it was yesterday. This was years ago. He says, and I want you to know that today my father is completely healed. He said, my father's living the best life he's ever lived. And I'm I'm sitting back there. Now listen, I've seen a lot of church. I've seen a lot of Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you what, I was seeing the Holy Ghost that day, man. The power of God was moving. And I'm, I'm looking at this like, wow. He grabs us. He grabs our papers. And he grabs his... A big old stamp, and he stamps it, pulls us through, and I'm telling you what, he put us with an official and took us completely through the airport, all the way out the, out the front doors and all the way around, and it was just the favor of God. We pull up, we get outside the airport. This was three times in that airport as we got to Africa. Three different people came running down the sidewalk and said, I, I remember you. And they call the pastors there. I guess they call him Papa or something, Papa or whatever. Anyways, they're calling him out and they're calling his name and he's looking. And I'm just sitting there wondering, oh my goodness, this is so powerful. You know, it's not just a man that we know that ministers the word of God. It's not just a man we know that has been faithful for years. But to know that this man has gone all over the world and preached the gospel and made an impact, that, that is what touched me. It was the impact that was made. And I said to myself, you know, after all of these years being raised in this fellowship, to know that I can make an impact in somebody else's life, no matter where it is in the world. Amen? 
I said, no matter where it is in the world. You know, I looked out this evening, and I know some of you come to church tired on Wednesday nights, but, you know, I want to I encourage you a little bit that when you worship God, when we come into this place and when we begin to sing, when we begin to lift our hands up and praise the Lord, you know, I want us to really say, you know what, we're going to bind the spirit of death in our own life. Amen? And I'm talking about a spiritual death because sometimes we look like mummies in a china closet, amen? We're just standing there like this with our hands up. We don't have words to say to God. And how can God work in us if we can't even reach out to him? How can God do what he wants to do in you and I today? We've already made the sacrifice to be here in the house of God. Everybody's come here. They said, we're going to be there, and we get here, and we have what, such a wonderful presence of God in our worship music, but sometimes we just don't receive because we're tired. And I want to encourage you just a little bit because there's more in the kingdom of God. God has more for you than just coming to church and just putting your hands up like this. Because when your hands are like this, you're thinking about your problems. You're thinking about your failures. You're thinking about everything that's going on in your life when your hands are just like this. But when you humble yourself and you say, God, I'm going to go beyond my comfort zone here, Lord. And I'm going to go all the way up, Lord. And I'm going to let these antennas touch heaven. Hallelujah. So that I can receive the power of God in my life. Amen. I need, I need a jolt of the Holy Ghost every time I come into this place. Yeah. You know, I, I, can't, I can't survive. Uh, you know, people say, well, I can drink one glass of wine and, and make heaven my home. Listen, I got news for you. You don't want me drinking one glass of wine. Okay? Because the crime rate will go up if I start drinking a glass of wine. I don't drink. I don't believe it's right. Uh, I don't believe it's godly. I don't want anything of this world to be in me to cause me to be like the world. Amen. Hallelujah. I want a dose of the Holy Ghost. And that's all that matters to me. Amen. And that's going to lead me to preach this evening. I want to minister for just a few minutes on driving the enemy out of our lives. Too many Christians in this world today, I see them driving and riding down the street on a bicycle. They're just lollygagging and, you know, driving their little bike and just looking around and seeing what's going on all around them. Do you know that you as a man or as a woman of God, as a child, as a, as a youth of, of God, do you know that you have the authority of God when you're saved? You don't have to drive that little tiny bike, uh, and, and you're on that little clown bike. I guess that's the way we can see it, a little tiny clown bike. It's a little thing, and they got these little pedals, and that clown's just sitting on there just going like this. That's what a lot of us Christians look like today in this world. We're on that little clown bike, and we're just pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. We're working ourselves to death, trying to be successful in life, when all we got to do is realize that God is with us. Hallelujah. Amen. You understand, we always try to make a way for things. There was a story. If you have your Bibles, let's turn in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. I was going to read this in a different translation, but I'll go ahead and just read uh, exactly the way we have it here. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke. And they said, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. 
David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. And the king of his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, uh, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said on that day, Whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David, and David built all around from the Milo in and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Hallelujah. How many would like to go on and be great and the Lord God be with you? I'm telling you something. Sometimes we get so stuck on David's problems. Sometimes we get so stuck on, on knowing what this man has been through in his life that we forget to realize that God says that David, God is with David and David is with God. You see, many times we look at the struggle in our lives and the struggle is really what's destroying us. You see, we look at our problem, we see our problem, we know our problem, but we're not willing to change our problem in our life. There was an amazing story in the late 1950s. It was before we had become involved in Vietnam. The French were there and they built a huge fortress called Dan Bien Phu. They stationed about 10,000 French Foreign Legion troops in this place. They had these men there and they were very confident in what they had done. They knew it was a strong fortress. They believed that they had, they had stabilized their involvement there in this land. They had secured themselves and, were, and they were confident that the communists would never be able to move uh, their group out of this land. They sent a telegram, a telegram message to the president of France which read this. It said, now we will never be defeated. We have completed our fortress and we will ultimately be victorious in Vietnam. They had a strong statement that they made. And we will be bringing communism to its knees, is what they said. That very day, the communist troops attacked this fortress. And so began a battle which we ultimately, would ultimately lead to victory over the communists in that place. They killed 7,000 out of 10,000 troops. Now listen to this. You see, they built up something that was so strong. They believed it was so powerful. It was so amazing. And, and they really thought that their plan, their strategy would work. And they took their remaining 3,000 captive and they turned them into slave labor. And a massive fortress uh, and stronghold which seemed invulnerable was pulled down in that very moment and it was destroyed. You see, you think that you can build up, that here's what the devil does. He'll trick you. He will put things in your way to deceive you, to make it look like, as I preached one time, and it was false evidence appearing to be real, where there are smokes and mirrors, images that cause you to think and believe that is a certain thing. The devil will put those things in your life. He will put something in front of you. He will make you feel like you're doing so well. You're so strong. And you say, I'm at the greatest place I've ever been. And all of a sudden, here comes the enemy to come in and attack you. 
It's an amazing thing how this works. There are times when you and I, as men and women of God, as Christians, the devil has been able to build something called a stronghold, which seems like nobody could ever help you with it. You can never overcome. It's impregnable. It's not possible to break through this thing in, in, your, in churches, in your lives, in every aspect of your life. These are areas where you think it's just it's so strong that nobody can, nobody can breach it. Nobody can get through. Nobody knows my secret sin. Nobody knows how I am when nobody's around. You know, one of the hardest things they say for pastors is when they're away from town and they're out preaching the gospel. I know in our fellowship, we strive for righteousness. We're on the phone. We want to know what's going on with each other. There's an accountability, but some preachers, they're out there doing their thing. They're, they're going to the, to the strip clubs. They're out going to the bars. You hear it all the time. It ain't going to happen here. I'll tell you that right now. We'd be, we'd be keeping each other accountable. Amen. But let me tell you something. These things, the devil will attack us in these places. It seems if it's so, we're so deeply entrenched that you'll never be defeated. We'll just have to put up with him. We're just going to have to put up with the devil. We're just going to have to put up with him tormenting us. It just seems that way. But God has called us to do a lot more than this. Amen? More than just survival. You know, God didn't call you to just be a, 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 somebody that's going to make it once in a while. Amen. We are survivalists. We do make it. We do overcome our trials uh, and our situations. Amen. We have to push through these things. And I want to just say this to you. A lot of this isn't even in my notes. I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a good time right now because God's leading me. But let me tell you something. We wonder sometimes why our marriage is in such trouble. And the truth of the matter is, is we are not doing anything about it. We're not making it happen. We're not making it better like it needs to be better. Because, you know, the Bible gives us the rule book for marriage. All we got to do is if we talk about the greatest attribute of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is love, if we just would understand what love really is, love is more than just a feeling, it's more than just a touch. Love is an attitude. Love is a characteristic, and you know, some people, they just want to have a character issue. And therefore, the marriage is going to be in a lot of trouble, amen? I threw that one in for free tonight, Hallelujah. God has called us to do more. More than just survive. Or even more than just get along with the enemy. You know, because a lot of Christians are just getting along with the enemy. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm having a bad day today. You know what, I'm going to leave you right here, but I'll be back. Don't worry about that. I'm going to go praise God for just a little bit. But when I get back out to that parking lot, you're going to be there waiting for me. So I'll, I'll see you in a few minutes. Some people just get along with the devil just enough to keep him around. And I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. I'm talking about the true enemy, amen. He's out there to get us. He has, God has called us to pull down strongholds in our lives. Amen. Drive the enemy out and win victory in our lives. Hallelujah. That's what God has called us to do. That means when you're struggling, when you're going through a difficult time, you have got to pray through. Hallelujah. You have got to win the battle on your knees. Hallelujah. Praying and calling upon the name of the Lord. I want to take a look at the stronghold for just a moment. We have a very interesting story in our text as we read this. 
It's the city of Jabez, Jabez and you can, you, you can uh, there's an also a, a parallel story in, I believe it's 1st or 2nd Chronicles. I think it's 1st Chronicles 11. You can read the story. It gives a little more detail about the area. But Jabez was a very old city. It was an old place. And it had even been around during the time of Abraham. And it was the chief city in the southern part of Canaan. Like I said, you can go in there and you can read about that, but the point of this is, is that it was built on what would later be called Mount Zion, which is a very strategic place in the Bible, very important hillside. Amen? If you look at it from the military standpoint, they had built a fortress on this site to protect this city. It looked like a small rock. It was an impregnable fortress. It was something nobody could get through. It could not be broken down. And many had tried and all had been defeated. Israel themselves had never been able to take this hill and drive out these Jebusites in this area. They'd never been able to, to, to get in there and do this. And the Jebusites were a very confident people. We need to understand that here. They were so confident in what they did and even taunted. They were to a point where it was mocking and teasing. There was taunting going on in this place. It was, it, was, it was amazing. But they taunted David and said, even our blind and our lame can hold this spot and drive you away. Here they're taunting him. You know, David, that's like David hadn't been used to being taunted all his life. Like David hadn't been used to being pushed around. Even the animals probably pushed David around. He was just this young, timid young boy where, you know, he's out there tending the sheep out there. He's probably getting pushed around all over the place. I was out today over uh, at the horse and, and we, the cows, I don't know what there is over there. I think it's uh, goats and sheep and all kinds of animals over there, amen. And I was thinking about little David as I was preparing my message and just thinking and going over it in my mind. And I'm thinking, these are animals and David stood out here with these animals, this is what David did. David only knew what to do when, when he was in the presence of God all the time. But he was taunted and pushed around. He was beat up all the time. And I can only imagine how he felt. Amen. And here there was four centuries that went by since Joshua had come into the land. And 400 years in this spot had never been taken. Never been taken in 400 years. I want to ask you a question tonight. Maybe Satan has gained a J-buzz in your life. Maybe there's this place in your life that, that you haven't, uh, you know, it, it's been closed up for so many years. And it's just, there's a shield put up and the devil's standing there saying, you know what, nobody could come in. Nobody's getting into this place. And you're agreeing with it, saying, you know what, nobody can get into this little hiding place of mine. I don't want anybody to see what I'm really going through in my life. I don't want anybody, don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until depression gets so bad where you, you, you're thinking these crazy thoughts I won't even talk about because I believe it's of the devil, amen. I believe it's a lie of the enemy. But some people wait till the very end uh, and, and try to uh, take things in their own hands uh, instead of just coming and asking for help. I mean, you, we have the greatest examples. I mean, if you're going through any problems in marriage, just take a look at our pastor and his wife. They're always together. They love each other. Their friendship is great. They're not afraid to touch each other. I mean, it blows my mind in marriage. I mean, in Africa, too. I'm over there talking to the pastors, and I'm like, you know, when's the last time you held your wife's hand? And they're like, never. <laughs> we don't do that. 
I'm like, you don't hold your wife's hand. You don't touch her hand. You're not affectionate. Oh, no. And, and they're serious face when they tell you this. You know, if you're African in this place, I don't, I don't know who's from Africa and who's not really. But, but, but it's a culture thing, I guess. And they're like, we don't touch hands. I'm like, there's something here, right? And then I come back to our own country and I see it here in our own place. I see husbands and wives that, you know, they barely look at each other and there's like no conversation whatsoever. I mean, at least have a good fight once in a while. You know the marriage counsel we give to that. Can't really say it from the pulpit right now. There's a lot of kids in here, but hey, you can come and ask me later and I'll give it to you. You've heard pastors say it. You want a healthy marriage, you're going to have to touch each other. You're going to have to hold your, your wife's hand. Oh, oh, will it remind you that you haven't bought her a ring? Or will it what? It will remind you what? That you don't let her go out and get her nails done? Is it going to remind you of something that's going to break your little heart? You know, all this stuff is for free here. I, I, it's not even in my notes anywhere. But I will say this to you. If you want freedom in Christ, you're going to, get a, you're going to have to get off the backside. You're going to have to do something about it. If you want a good marriage, you're going to have to strive for a good marriage. If you want happy children, you're going to have to make a place of hope and peace for those kids. You know, life cannot be constant discipline on those kids. We cannot just slap our kids around and yell at them and, 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 and put them in a place where they need to be because you're my child and you're going to listen to me. That's not, how, that's not what parenting is. Parenting is sitting down and taking a moment with your kids. Even when you're like this, falling asleep. Sitting down listening to what they got to say. You see, if you want to be bound by the stronghold of, 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 of raising a child or, 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 or raise, you know, raising a family or having a marriage that's always in trouble, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to live a very miserable life and you're going to have the banner of do I love God or do I just use God? This is a revelation Pastor Jones had while we were in Africa. One of the reasons I love to be with him because revelations, they just come all day long. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I'm sitting there writing them down and putting them in my phone. And he's saying stuff. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting that in my phone. I don't want to forget it. I want to, I want to live it. One of the things that came to him is, do, do, do I love God or am I just using God? You say, well, how can I just use God? I'll tell you. Well, when you're sliding that car down the highway on ice, you begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, help me, God. Lord, please help me survive this, uh, this whatever it's going to be. You get an evil report from the doctor, and all of a sudden, man, you become uh, Billy Graham when it comes to prayer. You're, oh, Lord, help me, God, overcome this sickness in my body. But what about when everything's all right, and you're at home, you're at work, and, and you're eating lunch out with the guys, and they're telling dirty jokes, uh, or you're at, at the nursing station at work, and, and they begin to talk about their husbands and belittle them. You know, what, what, what are you going to do? You're going to act like nothing, like you just don't hear it? Uh, or are you going to stand up and say, you want to know something? I have a wonderful husband. You want to know something? I have a great wife. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, it's an opportunity to stand up and say, you know what, I'm breaking those strongholds in my life, uh, and I'm going to stand up and say what is true and right. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, God wants to do more than just keep us down in these situations that we're in. A stronghold is like a festering sore. And that festering sore is something that you just cannot get victory over in your life. An entrenched sin in your life. Do you have a J-buzz in your life? You see, 
There's several different types of strongholds that we have in our lives. Many different ones. You can, it could be fear, bitterness, pride, covetousness, and greed. Lying and dishonesty, jealousy, and envy, and gossip. Rebellion and stubbornness. Oh, I know there's none of that in this place, but, you know, they're there. Hallelujah. Procrastination. Oh, my. None of that here. Laziness. Oh, my goodness. Lack of discipline over your flesh. These are all strongholds that attack you and I as men and women of God. These are things that happen in our life. Maybe it's an addiction, lust, perversion, habits like smoking, snorting, drinking, any of these types of things that cause us to slip back into the world and cause us to be overwhelmed and controlled by those substances in our lives. You say, Pastor, we're in church. Why are you even talking like this? I'm going to be honest with you. There's more of it going on in the church world today than there is out there in the world. In the world, they're not even afraid to hide it. They just pull it out and do it. They, I mean, they're smoking dope all over the place. You smell it all the time. My kids would be like, Dad, you, did you smell that? I'm like, actually, yeah, I did. I just didn't want to say nothing. It's all over the place. You know, the difference between the world and the church world is, you know, we keep it hidden. We keep it put away. It's under these fancy clothes we try to put on. Amen? We, 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 we walk and we talk the talk here at the church, but, you know, we got the same problems in our life because it's a stronghold that, that we're not willing to let go of, that we're not willing to let God do what he wants to do in our life. You see, God wants to help you overcome in these areas in your life. He wants to help you to overthrow and pull down that stronghold. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1, uh, that we are to lay aside every weight uh, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That's a powerful scripture. We are to set that, those things down. One translation says, it is, it, is, it is the sin which is so easily, which so easily leads to calamity. It could bring disaster. And even a loss of spiritual life. You see, we need to understand something tonight. You can read that later in your own time. Write it down. These single besetting sins, they can be devastating. They can really be devastating. Don't overlook these situations or take them lightly in your life. You have to overcome See, the very reason why you may be in such great difficulty in your spiritual walk is because you, you have not defeated the devil in that one single area of your life. Amen. That one. It could be one little single area of your life which has entrenched itself in your heart. And many people struggle. Many people are going through difficult things. And let me tell you something. We're here to help you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to strengthen you. But you know what? Sometimes people wait till it's too late, till they're in the hospital for an overdose or before they end up you know, on the side of the road from a, from a drinking and driving accident. Uh, then they call out for help. But let me tell you something. It does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be, be that way. So now we need to overthrow these strongholds in our lives. The need to overthrow. You cannot leave it there. You cannot allow it to sit there, allow it to remain in your life. You see, the Apostle Paul, Paul, he writes, he writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, don't give place to the devil. Amen? That's what he says. Do not give place to the devil. Matter of fact, it, the scripture says, avoid the appearance of all evil. Sometimes we take ourselves, we're so, we're so bound by the strongholds in our life that sometimes uh, our body is like a magnet to strongholds, to sin. 
Really, stronghold is sin. Just, just name it sin. But sometimes we just, we're, it's like we're being drawn in and sucked into the sin. Because there's something in our life that is familiar to that same spirit to wherever it is. You may go over there and that spirit, is, it, it draws you to that place because there's something inside that we're not willing to get rid of. There's something there that keeps pulling us to that place. You say, well, how do I get, how do I get rid of it? How do, how do, I, how do I avoid this? You, you have to rise up and you have to face the issue. First, you have to acknowledge there's a problem. It's like salvation. we got to know that there's something wrong with the way I'm living my life. Lord, there's sin in my life, God, and i got to give it to you, Lord, because I'm tired of carrying it around. I'm tired of being pushed around, and I'm tired of being this robot to the devil that causes me to fall into sin. So we have to rise up and force the issue. Number two, you cannot just sit back and hope that the enemy is going to go away. You can't just sit on the recliner and say, all right, devil, I'm, I'm done with you for now. I'm going to just go ahead and rest right here and relax. You can't hope that he's just going to leave and go away. It's not going to happen. He doesn't do that, amen? Or he doesn't just move off and go on to somebody else all the time. You have to press the battle to the gates. That means, and I don't know why I'm going into marriage so much tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to press the battle to the gates. Press it to the gates. Fall in love all over again. You say, well, that's not even possible anymore. Well, there's too many things going on. We don't even talk. We don't communicate. Let me tell you something. Press it all the way to the gates. Hallelujah. Storm the enemy's stronghold. Take authority over it. Go over it. Talk to yourself in the mirror. You know, one thing Pastor Jones told me years ago, he says, when you're going to uh, preach a message, he said, go to the mirror and preach it to yourself. He said, make all the faces you're going to make from the pulpit. Get up there and just preach it and say it and spit and do everything you do, but just preach it to the mirror. And you know what? I took that same philosophy, I took that same theory, and I took that to the devil too. I look at that mirror sometimes, and I say, you know what? You're not bound by the devil. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. You are free. You are going to do something great for God. I begin to speak it. But like I said a minute ago, too many people, they're over in that recliner just thinking the devil's going to just go away. He's not going to go away. I got news for you. He hasn't gone away yet, and he's not going to go away ever. He's going to torment. He wants to get you. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy this church. But guess what? He can't have it. Hallelujah. Because we have told him to go. Hallelujah. He has no place here. Amen. You see, the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. We got to learn how to fight, amen? So here's the stage that I want to set with you here for just a second. After David's victory over Goliath, huh, he found himself in conflict with Saul. And here, Saul was jealous, and he wanted to kill him. And David here, he's run from Saul for eight years. He's on the run. He's just running, running, running. Saul and Jonathan have now been killed by the Philistines, and David has been made king over these two tribes of Judah. We read the story. You know the story. But Israel is not with him. The ten tribes of Israel have declared Ishbosheth, who is, of course, one of Saul's sons, as the king. 
And so the nation here at this particular point is divided, and this goes on for about two years. This is happening, and finally Israel decides that David should be king, and, and, and it is the day to make him king. And there's a rush of enthusiasm as the nation is reunited and things are happening. Soldiers are marching down to Hebron for this, they call it a, a, a coronation ceremony. And here people are, they're, they're marching from all of these remotest parts of the country to celebrate in this joyous three-day feast over 300,000 men, over 300,000 people. Surrounded by all this enthusiasm, David decides something amazing here. He decides that this would be the right time for the greatest undertaking in Jewish history since Joshua and the conquest of, Jer of Jericho. And here he's thinking, he decides uh, that his first act of government must be to conquest the, the conquest of this city of Jebus. Here he is, he's planning this out. Uh, he believed uh, it to be a city marked by God uh, for their inheritance, hallelujah. It was a strategic spot, and this young man, he wanted it bad. You see, there was a plan for victory. I said there was a plan for victory. He planned it. He knew it. Uh, he had it set up in his mind. Uh, he was focusing on the fight. How many people in this place, you used to love to fight? Just lift your hand up. Amen? We, we, I mean, fighting was fun. It was when we were in the world. I'm not talking about now. Sometimes. But when we're in the world, hallelujah, amen, it, it, the fight is fun. And, but when you come up and you try to plan a fight, it's not going to happen the way you planned it. You've got to be ready at all times. Amen? You've got to be prepared at all times to prove yourself. Hallelujah, as the Word of God says. We need to be ready. We need to know. It's like Sunday morning in the home church. Pastor Paul preached at 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock service came. Pastor Jones gets up there and preaches the 11 o'clock service. Just being ready at all times. There's a plan for victory. Hallelujah. Because God is doing something powerful and amazing. Hallelujah. And this is exactly what's happening. He was focusing on the fight. Uh, now, if you're going to win any kind of victory, you're going to have to have a strategy. You have to have a strategy. You must have a plan, a course of action. It has to be. It's necessary. There, in sports, you have to have a game plan. Pastor preaches about sports all the time. You need a game plan. Military action. You think about it, Desert Storm, Norman, listen, all these different generals we had, we've had out there, they, they have a plan. Well, David, he had a plan for victory. And you can read it in our text in verse 8. But we need to understand you have to focus your fight in the right direction. Along with the plan, along with that fight for victory, you have to focus your fight in the right direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, is, Paul says, I fight not as one that beateth the air. You ever seen somebody going crazy, beating the air, just going through the same pro problems and troubles all the time? Or someone who is just flailing their arms wildly. He has a strategy. He has a plan. This man, you know, we would have a plan or a, or a focus. If we're going to defeat our javas, our stronghold in our life, we must have a focus. We must focus on what the problem is in our life. You see, what you need to do is you need to have a strategy for victory. Number one, you need to hate Jabez. You need to hate it. See it for what it is. 
taunting and mocking you and, and, and mocking God, you, you must become unsatisfied with it remaining in your life. You've got to get it out. You've got to hate it so much that you say, it cannot stay there. It cannot live there. It cannot be around me. It's got to go. Number two, you have to desire freedom. Maybe you say, but I have been desiring freedom for a long time. <laughs> I've really been desiring freedom. I hear a lot of people say, I want to be free from this. I've wanted to be free from this for a long time. Really, many people like and enjoy their chains. It's the truth. It's a hard truth to accept, but it's the truth. They like playing with those chains. They want to enjoy the fruit of their sin, or they want that more than they want freedom in their life. Let me just speak to those that have been hurt by words in this place today. Maybe pastor said something to you. Maybe he said something from the pulpit. Maybe I've said something to you that's hurt out it to get you away from, from God's, uh, God's call on, on your life where you've let that little tiny seed just fester in your spirit and it's caused you to, to just stand back and wait on God to do something instead of you pushing towards God. I want to encourage you this morning, this evening, if that's you, if that is something that has happened in your life where, where the devil just beats you up and, and because of a decision you made, because of a word that was spoken to you or something that was said that you did not like or agree with, that you just pulled away from it. But I want to challenge you to get back to where God had you, where he was able to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. It's a very important thing. Don't let a word, don't let a piece of discouragement set in and destroy your, uh, your, your, your pl the, the plan that God has for your life, your destiny. Number three, altar of repentance. Confess your sin before God. Say what God says about it. Begin to quote scripture and begin to tell the devil, you know what, you have no place. You have no power. Don't hide it. Don't make excuses. Get to the altar. We are so privileged to have an altar. 90% of the churches in this world don't even have an altar anymore. They've taken the altar out of the church. They've taken praying over the sick out of the church. They're praying, they've, they've, they've taken casting out devils out of the church. Because they're afraid that people are going to walk with their feet and walk with their money. In this church, we pray over the sick. We cast out devils. We preach the unadulterated word of God. And it's going to be forever, hallelujah, from this pulpit. Hallelujah. Number four, establish personal dominion over that sin. You have to establish personal dominion over the sin. Discipline your flesh. Discipline it. You have to put your foot down and refuse to let it back. Joshua 10, 24 and 25, it says, And it, come to it came to pass when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet on the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Isn't that a powerful word? That God is going to put his foot down on the necks of your enemies. That God is going to stand up for you. He's going to rise up. If you're doing your part, guess what? God is going to do his part. Matter of fact, the scripture said that he's going to do it. Whether you do your part or not, as long as you can serve God, he said, I'm going to do it for you. Some people, they're just scared to death to, to even move on something. But if your heart is right, if you have a heart after God, God is going to do it for you. Hallelujah. If you fight, God will help you. 
You ought to write that down. If I fight, God is going to help me. But I got news for you. If you don't fight, God's not going to help you. If you just lay down and give in to these things in your life, there's going to be no miracle help. There's going to be no answer from heaven for you in your situation. You have to realize that. So you have to put your foot down on fear. And you know what? It's not just fear. We can call it king fear. Because to some people, it is king fear. It is king unbelief, king money, king, king lust, king bitterness, king pride, king rebellion, king circumstances, king apathy. King, it can be whatever, whatever it is in your life. But we have to put our foot down on those things. You see, there's a reversal that we see in our text as I close. This city that had been at one time, it had been a stronghold for the enemy, it was converted into a stronghold for God and His people. That's what the house of God is all about. That's, what, that's why we come here, because we come into this place dirty. We come into this place full of sin, and, but, but we get to go out of this place full of God. Hallelujah. We get to go out of this place refreshed and revived, knowing that we got the power of God in us. We, we get to know that the strongholds, the walls, those things have been broken in our lives. That's what it's all about. We come to an altar. It becomes a, a center of uh, this place. It became a center of Israel's government. It became a center of, 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 of worship for God's people. And that's what this is. This is a center for us to come in and worship God. Hallelujah. It became a habitation for God's presence in the temple. In our text. You see, when you overthrow the enemy's strongholds in your life, God, He will reverse it. He will reverse it. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place tonight. You see, that which at one time was a weakness in your life now can become a strong point in your life. That which at one time the enemy was able to defeat you in now you have dominion over the enemy that stronghold of sin which caused you many headaches much frustration it's now giving the devil headaches because you've learned to turn that over to God you know, tonight I know without a doubt, and I know that God has put this particular message in my heart. I, I, I actually, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I had a different message for tonight. And I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And I got tired of wrestling, and I just said, God, just tell me what to preach. And I believe that God spoke into my spirit and told me that there are some strongholds in this church, in our lives, in our people, in us, in me, in you, that need to be broken tonight. We cannot let the enemy build up a wall, this fortress in our life where, where, where it cannot even be broken through, where, where not even God can get through because we are telling God no. In that one simple revelation from Pastor Jones, do you love God or do you use God? That, that, that touched me. And I wanted to say that to you tonight. Do you love God or do you use Him? Now God's not going to put you over His knee and discipline you over that. 
especially if you can come to a place where you can say, you know what? I love God. I don't want to just use God. I want to love Him. I want Him to love me. I want to know that as I'm in battle against the enemy, that God has already gone before me. And I believe tonight, without a doubt, that there are going to be some lives transformed through prayer in your own personal prayer time. It's not me coming and down and praying over you and, and laying hands on you. No, I want God to be the one to touch you. I want you to be the one to speak out and say, God, take this good old stubbornness out of me. Lord, I was born with it. I'm stubborn. I'm mean. I'm ugly. I'm, I'm hard on people. Take it away from me, Lord. Take this stony heart out and give me a heart of love that I can love people and it would be sincere, Lord. You see, we cannot do this alone. But with God, yes, we can do it. Before we go any further tonight, I want to give you an opportunity. You're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God and I want to be saved tonight. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Put your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you tonight. You say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm away from the Lord. I'm not saved. I got sin in my life, and I want to be delivered and set free tonight. If that's you, come on, put your hand up. I want to pray for you. I believe God's going to change you tonight. How many all over this place? Just put it up and put it right back down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's do one more thing tonight. Let's just all stand to our feet if we would. You know, a lot of times you think it's as simple as just putting a message together and preaching it. You know, there's a lot of wrestling that goes on. There's a lot of fighting back and forth. The flesh, letting God do what God's going to do. But I'm going to tell you something. When you surrender to God and just let God be God, it all works out. And it never works out the way you want it to. I wish I saw a hundred hands shoot up into the sky. I wish we'd have came tonight and saw 10,000 people in this building, which it's coming. It's coming. Don't think that our plan to knock that wall down is not still happening. We're believing. Amen. Hallelujah. We got, we got big faith in this place. Our pastor has big faith. I've known him for many, many, many years. A lot more years than y'all have known him. I've known him. Not, not than you all, but than some of them. Amen. Hallelujah. He's got a lot of faith. But you know what? God's not going to do it without us doing something about it. We have to be the ones to do something about it. I want to challenge you tonight. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to go offline in just a moment, but we're going to pray. I want us all over this place. If, matter of fact, I would like to do something just a little bit different tonight. If we could all just come forward. We're going to pray a prayer together, a prayer of salvation. But just come on out. Even if you step out in front of that camera, it's okay. But I want to pray this prayer. And I want us all to have the opportunity. And listen, don't stand back and say, oh, I'm already saved. I'm not going to be a part of this. This is something new. And I'm asking you to come forward, please. Because I want to pray as a church. As we stand in agreement as a church. This prayer is more than just words. This is more than just, you know, we're just going to babble a few words to God. This is just, well, you know, I just use God. But no, this is going to be, I love God. We're going to pray. And you're going to, through this prayer, you're going to see God begin to do new works and new things in your life. You're going to begin to see doors open up in your life. You're going to begin to see your marriage. Listen, it takes, it takes guts to walk from your seat to this altar. 
And I know you're all saved, okay? I, nobody raised their hand for salvation tonight. But I know without a doubt that there's somebody in this place, you're struggling in your salvation. There's no doubt in my mind I've been in this business a long time. I know what it's all about. Sometimes we just get tired of going so many times to the altar. But we're going to get a breakthrough tonight. Amen. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? Let's lift our hands up and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, shout it out. Heavenly Father. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you from this moment forward to forgive me of my sins. God, help me to do great and mighty things for you. Help me to be used by you. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Make yourself real to me. Help me to do great things for you, Lord. From this day forward, I will serve you. And I will love you. I will do more than use you, but I will love you. And I will give you praise. And I will serve you with all my heart. And I thank you for saving me. And I thank you for delivering me from my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I want you just to put your hands together and give the Lord a big shout of praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. You're worthy, Lord. You know, I want to focus on just one little thing. You know, the stronghold, when I say strong. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.